Recorded live at the Hawk's Nest on the summit in Pataskala, Ohio. This is Garage Days, underproduced and over the top. I'm your host, Arch Madness. And do I have a good one lined up for you on this episode? Now, later in the show, on the Hawk Line, one of my all-time favorite, I mean, people. I was going to say, you know, musician, but it's my one of my favorite persons out there. Rock legend, Chip's Enough. And this cat joining me in the garage. I mean, we worked in radio together a few different times over the last 10 years. We were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. He's been on Vinyl Analysis with me as well. And I can't think of another dude that I am more dialed in musically with because just like me, he likes his Van Halen, David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. The first two Motley Crue records are their best work. Yes. <laughs> he also appreciates the awesomeness of a Jake E. Lee riff. Oh. In the Enough's Enough camp, right? He, in the Enough's Enough camp, he, he's known as Beasley. Yes. My good friend, Mike Austin. What's up, bro? Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to see you, it too, so man. so good to see you. Welcome to the Hawk's Nest. I love the Hawk's Nest. Right? I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> I mean, the vibe in here is unbelievable. Cool, man. That I love... Uh, you know the garage. We need we need to get uh, we need to get Chip here. Oh. Think Chip would come to the the Hawks Nest? Are you kidding? Right? Especially oh, I love if that. we had it catered. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> but he would be here for sure. So let's uh, let's catch up because it's been a crazy year, and this is kind of what I'm doing with everybody, especially yeah. my friends who I haven't. Shit, dude, I haven't seen you in over a year. I know. So it, it, here we are. Look and, at us now, all bearded up. And I know, long got hair. long hair and everything. <laughs> First off, you have been the last few years managing things on the road for Enough's Enough. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I don't want to... Had the great pleasure. Right. And I just know what a fan of the genre and that whole scene. You're, just, you're an 80s rocker like myself. Yeah. How did that all come about? Because I know you and Tori are tight and have been for, for a long time. Yeah. But how, how did this all come about? I want to hear your side of this. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, I was working in radio. We were, you and I were both working uh, at the same company at the time in 2017. And what happened was I I was let go for, you know, whatever reason. And I, I was, I thought, man, I'm done, you know, with radio. That's the way she goes. (laughs) Yes, it is. I agree. Okay. Um, so anyway, I'm, I, I decide I want to get out of radio, and I don't know what I want to do. Tori says, why don't you come? We have this uh, you know, uh, four-day uh, four run coming up through New England. Why don't you come with us and see how you like it and just hang out and roadie, basically. Right. I said, yeah. okay, cool. I remember that. I remember yeah, you doing that. I told that. you I re- the whole way. But no, I remember. Yeah, we were talking before you went on this trip. I was, yeah. I was so... So Jelly. I, so I so I go and you know we all got along great. We hit it off. Next thing you know, I'm in in Europe in the UK, uh, you know, and I'm now officially the tour manager, you know, whatever. And I'm just kind of learning everything as I go. You know, it's not rocket science or anything. This isn't a um, production on the the Kiss level, let's say. But but there is a lot of organization involved, and I'm into that. I like to be organized. I'm a little OCD, so I like to be organized. I know you are, and I like to. Uh, rock as well and so I'm not that good of a musician to do it to get paid to do it so I can if I can administratively be around right. rock and roll I'm in and that's and, where I'm at and honestly for guys our age mm-hmm. that grew up and love the music that we love you're you're hanging with our heroes you're meeting our heroes you're yeah. touring with our heroes I, I mean w- whether it's on a tour with 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 
you know, Faster Pussycat on the way or, you know, you know, Jack Russell. And I think about right. like these other bands that, you know, uh, you know, Mark Torian. Um, and then also, and I'm trying to think of uh, here recently. I mean, you got, you've LA Guns, you, you've, you hopped yeah. kind of into that whole scene as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I, I tour managed for a band called the Darbies. And we opened for LA Guns for two months. That's awesome. And it was man. fantastic. Dude, I, I got can't to hear. Even. I can't even. I got Shut to up. hear Tracy Guns play guitar every night, that. man. And it was great. Honest to God, I love that. That was worth it right there for me. Yeah. Let alone. That's a walk off. Yeah. It was hanging great. with Chip and, 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 and Tracy Guns. All these and, people that I've met, Arch, that I've listened to for years. I always tell the story real quick. I have a long radio career, you know, and a lot of, con- or I was in the country format for a while. And. I met Garth Brooks. You know, I I am not a big Garth Brooks fan, so it it didn't I didn't sweat it. It was like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. You know, no right. sweat, and I split. I've met, um, you know, Janet Jackson. You know, I admire her work. I love what she does. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Nice to meet you. You're awesome. You know, you're beautiful. Thank That's you. Right. Whatever. But I meet somebody like Chip <laughs> or, um, right? you know, I get it, Tracy Guns or someone on that level. And I'm I like, uh, because I respect them so much more because I'm such a big, bigger fan of their music. Right. So now when I work with them, I have to work with these people on a professional level. And it's pretty cool. You know, Dude, I mean, it is. I've been in is. situations where I've said my 18 year old self would not no, no shit. believe this shit. Yeah, yeah. And, not, and, and, I, and I think about that a lot. And my 18-year-old self would love to hear your stories as yeah, well. Right. And would be very envious of what of what you're doing. I just think it's so cool, man. I and think I, it's so I, cool. And it's just, it's great. It's, yeah, it's a blast. But the last year, what are you going to miss the most? Or what are you most excited to do again, I should say? We, well, let's, we're, we're in the, uh, this this last year, let's put that in, in the rear yeah, view. Rear but view. I mean, as far as, because, I mean, it's been tough on you, man. It's yeah. everybody in there. There's so many layers to the touring and music industry that you, you wouldn't even believe folks and it's affecting everybody. So what are you most excited about though, Mike? I'm just, you know, a, I'm glad everybody's going to be able to get back to work again. And that's not only the band, but the, the people that work at these venues. No kidding, man. And you know, and that everybody can come back out and enjoy music again because everybody wants to do that. Everybody's been, you know, everybody, including myself has been bitching about wanting to see live music again. And thank God for the local bands, you know, you check that out, but you're too scared to go out, you know, so everybody's been cooped up. Obviously we want to get out and we want to go and I'm ready. And I can't, the the thing that I can't wait to do the most or you asked is just to be with the guys. Yeah, I bet. It's like being on a team. It's a team. It is. And it's like in radio, it's like when you put something together and you start an idea from A to however, A to A to B. When you put a show, you know, you put the whole day together because I have to put itineraries together. So you put the whole day together. And when you check everything off the list, the OCD guy in me loves that shit (laughs) because I just check off what we do. And I'm like, yes, yes. And you know what? I know when I'm almost done, it's ready to rock. And I get to hang out with some pretty cool people and meet people. And and I'm very thankful for it. I'm not trying to brag. No, I hate it's not. And you're not. And I'm I'm not bragging. Listen, totally just. And and I can vouch. For, for this cat right here, Mike Austin. Good. He is the most humble dude. He's That's why I was hoping to, for you to even go this far oh, with, yeah, your, with your I'd description of what you do. Because I, I, I know you, though. You don't want to... No, you, you, and you I hate, don't want to come across And you hate way. people who 
are like that. Yeah, I do. Yes, and, and I, I will never be one of those right. people so. because I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't like for people to think, oh, what an asshole. This not even guy. close. Hey, we no. got to hang out with Beasley again. He's all, all he's going to do is talk about. No. You know, <laughs> yeah, no. I'm not, not that way. But if it happens to come up in a conversation well, guess with what? people, I'll tell you. In this podcast, it's come up. Good. Because okay. I just want to preface it with them not being an asshole. No. Yeah. Just it's telling stories. So damn cool, dude. <laughs> that is so damn cool. Yeah. And you couldn't have been with, like, you can't hang with a better group than the guys, yeah. you know, like Chip and Tori oh. and Dan. And those, those, that's just a great yeah. group, man. Yeah, everybody gets along so well. And that's that's a bonus, you know. That's, you know, because there's some long nights and, and, you know, some early mornings. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not always, um, you know, red carpet. You know, but I love it so much. And Chip is the ultimate road dog. He is. I mean, he the guy is amazing. Yeah, he requires very little sleep, and he is. I'll be. I'll, I'll walk down the stairs into the lobby in the morning, and it's not uncommon for me to see him carrying women's um, bags to their cars out in the parking lot Just for helping. them, yeah. with one hand on a cup of coffee that's <laughs> spilling all over him, and in another hand he's got a suitcase. Come on, honey, I'll help you. Okay, you know he's oh. he's helping around, and I swear to God. I, I'm not kidding. I, That's New great. Mexico, somewhere no. in New Mexico, that happened recently. Oh, I do not doubt it. Can yeah. I tell you? No. Can I tell please. this story? Because since yes. it's uncensored here, and any any of us to that a know, certain extent, Mike, well, any I mean, of us that know Chip will appreciate what he says to me. <laughs> so I'm walking down the stairs into the lobby at this hotel, and somewhere in you know, in a, off a highway in New Mexico, and. Um, but, and I'm walking downstairs and I see Chip walking through the lobby carrying a suitcase and a cup of coffee. And he goes, hey, I'll be with you in a minute, Beasley. I'm helping to trim with her bags. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Do you know? And I almost fell down the stairs oh, laughing. Helping to trim with her bags. <laughs> helping the trim. And the woman's standing right there. <laughs> Let me just say this, that he has totally brought that back into my circle of friends as well. That word oh yeah oh absolutely <laughs> guilty me too i can't not say it oh my when you're God. around him, i know dude you start talking well, like him and i love that language that he had i know. You know let's 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 not get canceled yet but damn it that right. is so funny dude it is so he good. is and you just salt of the earth guy man yeah he for sure is really he, is. he buys stuff for people at truck stops you know, but he'll throw he, he'll throw some dollars at him if they are short or whatever. You know, I've seen him. But I find gas for old people. I find that I mean, Chicago is about as for as big as it gets. I mean, that's the closest to the Midwest. They're they're the closest to guys like us from Ohio. Yeah, that, you yeah. know, as far as a big city, right? Well, yeah. I just think the whole vibe, just yeah. being cool about <laughs> things and a little more chill. Oh, in, yeah. in, in yeah. certain aspects, he he was raised right. That yeah, is man, for sure. Oh God! You know, anyway. Respects. All right, so here we go. We're gonna let's let's call the man now. Oh, right on. We're about we're about four three or four minutes three minutes early. Do you think he'll you think he'll care? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, I just know you guys like to to do it by the book here. As far as uh, I no, wanna, I don't want to mess it up. Fire away. Here we go, dude. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> Calling chips enough. A mailbox belonging oh, to no. Chips Enough. <laughs> oh, no. Not accept new messages at this He's not accepting messages at this time either. Well, oh, it could, that couldn't have gone any better, dude. Well, that's, um, well hey, wait a few minutes, well, It's maybe. underproduced. Well, we're early. That's okay, on us. Yeah. All right, so here's the deal. Before we call Chip a second time, mm-hmm. all right, <laughs> I've got to ask you this question. So there's, you have a picture on Facebook 
And for a lot of people listening right now who I'm sure are huge Trailer Park Boy fans, it's you and oh, the dudes yeah. from, from the Trailer Park Boys. Oh, man. Right? I mean, I do Ray all the... It's the way she goes. It's oh, the way she goes. Ray is my all-time favorite. It's the way of the road, boys. <laughs> it's the way... <laughs> I... So how did you, how did you, where did that happen? And how did you meet, you know, the hell with Janet Jackson, the hell with Garth right, Brooks. Right, Oh, you were going to talk about being I know, want scared, I, shit, not scared, but nervous. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. Yeah, That's yeah. a bucket list. I mean, I had to hold it in because, you know, when you meet people like that, you you can't just start, I love this and that. You, right, you, you got to go slow. Yeah, you got to be cool <laughs> or else it turns them off and they won't talk to you. I right. You know, it's happened. I've seen right. it. So I'm, I'm totally cool with these people and I'd let them get into it. Anyway, a friend of mine worked for this company that was sponsoring a tour that they were doing. And we went up to see him up in Cleveland back in like 2012. Right, I remember that tour. The, and um, before the show... My brother and I, who are huge fans, I brought him with me. We go up with my buddy, and we get on the bus, one of their tour buses. Oh, my God. Um, Mike Smith, who played Bubbles, right. he has his own bus. And then uh, Julian and Ricky shared uh, another one, a bigger one. Right. And for whatever reason... Either way, we're on Bubbles' kinda, bus, it's basically. It's kind of cool to know. It's kinda, you're on Bubbles' bus. Yes, we're of on course Bubbles' bus. And he's not dressed in, he's not in costume. Right, that's, you can see it in the picture. He's right. not, he's so just he's Mike, Mike Smith. Smith. He is not Bubbles. So right. we were being cool because he wasn't even talking about that shit. He was talking about other things. He, right. told, he told some really funny stories. And one was about, uh, that involved Zach Galifianakis, who I think is one of the most funny right. friends around. Well, you, I loved baskets, but let's oh not go, God. let's not right. go down okay. that right now. We'll, so, we'll just say that we love this guy. Okay. So anyway, uh, you know, he's telling stories and, but he wasn't really talking about the show. So I, I didn't poke and prod. Right. But he was very cool. And it, it was Julian, uh, the actor's uh, Jean-Paul something. I can't remember his right. name. His birthday. So they had this cake made that what was a the? huge penis. <laughs> right. And it said, happy birthday, dickhead. <laughs> uh, oh, my God, and man. So, yeah. And, and, and I got to see this. And I had pictures of it and everything. And uh, we're, we're just sitting, talking on the bus, talking. And, and uh, he, at the time, was uh, sponsoring this... Um, or endorsing this hangover drink, you know, one of those five-hour energy type things. Right. And he gave us a couple of cop, uh, a couple of samples of that. Right. And I gave it to, I, I don't like that stuff, so I gave it to a friend of mine, and she flipped out, and that worked out in my favor. So All right. That was nice. Thank you, bubs. Yeah. And um, so, you know, then we go into the venue, into the dressing room, and there is uh, Ricky and Julian already in costume. You know, Julian's got the drink in his hand. Ricky has the, uh, oh, the houndtooth shirt. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they have their hair done and everything. <laughs> oh, my God, man. I thought I was in Sunnyvale. No, no, oh. no shit. It was just surreal, you know. And Holy cow, dude. That was amazing. But you know who I really loved on that show? Is you like Leahy, was don't Mr. you? Mr. Leahy. Yeah, you're a Leahy John guy. Dunsworth was yeah. a, the best actor at acting drunk. Yeah. Than any actor I've ever seen. That guy pulled that off that Leahy. Oh, I know, dude. So I know, good. I know, I know. And he was in he was him and Randy were doing a tour a couple of years ago. <laughs> and he was gonna be in Columbus oh. on my birthday, November oh, stop 10th. It. And he passed. And he passed like a couple oh. of weeks before that. I was so bummed out. I would have been bummed regardless, but I was gonna That's see cool. him and I wanted to meet him so bad. You're a Leahy guy. Him how much and, I loved him. Oh, yeah. I'm Ray. I like Ray. But Ray's Ray's, Ray's awesome. my favorite. Ray's my Ray, favorite. 
And how could you not like Ray's taking advantage of the system? Oh. You know, he's an easy laid back drunk oh. trucker. Oh, he's the best man. The With way of the road, man. The way of the road. Piss jugs. Piss jugs, and, dude. And believe it or not, on the road, when I was on the road with... That's the way she goes. <laughs> that's right. When I when I was on the road with the Darbys, uh, with LA Guns, first time I'd ever done a piss jug. Normally, you know, the right. bands that I've gone with, uh, Enough's Enough, Junkyard, we stop, take a piss or whatever. Right. Um, the Darbs, these boys roll with jugs, they were, you know, ready to, to uh, be pissed in. All right, let's try Chip a second time. You All ready, right, Mike? Yeah, let's, let's, give give a a, let's give it a shot here. Let's see how we're doing. As the planes come over to. How are you, Archie? <laughs> I'm good, Chip. How are you, brother? Pretty good, buddy. Thanks for asking. Hey, we've got, uh, got your uh, homeboy Beasley here with us as well, Chip. Can't go, can't go wrong there. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Got my vaccine today. You did? Yeah, I finally got it done out here. Nice. I took the Johnson and Johnson one shot. Oh, the one shot, and he's right done. On. Well, good deal, Chip. You, th- uh, you know, nice like we don't, I guess we don't have to go down that road. But I mean, no. What got us to this point? I mean, what's the last year been like for you, Chip? I mean, I, I got to believe even a chip's enough during a pandemic stays busy. Absolutely, making records. Yeah, uh, staying busy trying to navigate these waters, bro. Well, listen, I saw uh, the, uh, the the dissonance, the re-release, yeah. also the peach fuzz. Uh, the, I mean, the colored vinyl. I mean, I, it's uh, it's a, it's a great layout, man. You can't go wrong. Cleopatra is wonderful to us. Listen, if you look at the, our discography, it's it's mind-boggling to put out all these records, all of them being re-released. It looks like we're the busiest band in rock and roll right now. A new record came out in June or July of last year, Brainwash Generation, and uh, we couldn't tour, so we did live streaming shows and any kind of weekend warrior stuff we could find. It was very, very uh, challenging. Uh, but in the meantime, making records. I did a Beatle record, which is uh, coming out on Frontiers. It's called uh, uh, Hard Rock Night. It's basically uh, the Beatles on Eleven. And then that'll be followed up with a solo record. And then next year, early next year, 2022, it'll be uh, a brand new Enough Snuff album. So uh, between that and the whole catalog of material being re-released on Cleopatra, which is 16 studio albums, okay, including a box set of 40 unreleased songs. Uh, I say we're, we're doing pretty good right now, uh, seeing as everything's been shut down. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with our progress. Well, you're talking about like, new music i mean is this something that you have some already in the in the in the bag i mean what are we what are we talking about here is this something you yeah the, what's the process you're looking at as far as getting new music out because i know you've all right it's real simple uh in the last year and a half we've recorded four albums okay during this whole during this whole shutdown so the first one will be first one was basically basically brainwash generation we followed it up with the beatles hard rock night and Frontiers, and then uh, the solo record, which will be released uh, sometime in 20, 2021. I'm not sure when, and that's also through Frontiers. And then uh, Enough's Enough studio album for February of 2022. And then in between that, producing bands. That's what I've been doing. I did the Steve Ramone record. I did the uh, Midnight Devils album. I'm finishing that right now. So, And then I also did... Um, uh, St. Sybil Cemetery, another band too. So, uh, quite a few records. It's about that's seven records right there, not counting any of the re- releases that we're 
putting out through Cleopatra uh, through this year and next year, which is 16 albums all on vinyl, color vinyls. And the first one was uh, with Jakey Lee, Can't Go Wrong. I mean, hanging out with Jakey Lee in the studio, bro, nothing like it. He showed up there at, at the studio in Vegas with a broken leg and a bottle of Jim Beam. And I said, what, what's the Jim Beam for? He goes, to soothe the pain. I said, why the broken leg? He says, I was I jumped over a fence chasing an ice cream truck and, and tripped <laughs> over a uh, I tripped over a a, 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 a curb and right. broke his ankle right yeah. there. But instead of laying in staying in the house and feeling sorry for himself, uh, he went out, got a bottle of Jim Beam, came by the studio playing the song after he finished playing with us. And it looked like he wasn't even playing. When I was watching him in the studio, I'm going, Jake Lee sitting right in front of me blowing guitar solos. It looks like his fingers aren't even moving. It was just unbelievable how great he is and effortless. And after he finished the song, he says, you know, I can listen to you guys sing and play all day. And we said, well, how about doing the whole record? We got no money, but we'll give you a point on the album. And he goes, I'll do it. And then the plan on the whole album did it in a couple of days too. That was on dissonance. No, that's dissonance. That's the dissonance that's, album, right? That's one of my favorites. Yeah, fabulous record. After that record I love came that out, record. we uh, love that. I, I called Jakey on the phone, and he's such a nice guy. You know, I toured with Badlands in the early days, so it was Ray Gill and Jakey Lee, uh, Eric Singer, and Greg Chasen. It was a fabulous band. We they really gave us a a lesson on how to do things right and what not to do as well. And we, every single show was completely sold out. Both bands had. Hits on MTV at the time, Jakey Lee's, uh, they're, they're, they put their first single out. It caused a little commotion, but for some reason, Enough's Enough was the flavor of, the, of that year. And MTV people, most notably a guy named Rick Krim, uh, really took a liking to the band. He was one of those guys that really liked pop stuff. He grew up with Badfinger and the Raspberries, and he loved Jellyfish and Dan Reed Network. He's just a really smart cat. And for some reason, he just liked the Enough's Enough stuff. He liked the, our approach because... He says himself, we sound like nobody else. He said the closest thing he can come to would be the Beatles. Uh, but the Beatles, like a hard rock version of it. And he started playing that first video, new thing, and that took off like crazy. So we were playing shows around the country, uh, headlining. We're doing, we came out to Cleveland. We did, I think, the Agora Theater. And then we you know, we played all the college towns because we, our band has a propensity to get in trouble at any single moment. We love women. So we <laughs> found ourselves playing all these, we, found, we were playing all these great clubs around the country and all these theaters. And then uh, we were in a van, by the way. And then uh, the Jakey Lee Badlands tour came by, and we knew they were getting a bus, and we asked our record company, well, we need a bus too. And they gave us a budget, and we were able to get the bus, and that helped us maneuver and get around, navigate around the country. And every single show we played, there was always some rock star out in the crowd, whether it was Cats from Def Leppard or Cheap Trick or, you know, the big big, uh, big bands that would be out at that time, Motley Crue or even the Nelson guys. They'd all come out to the show just to check out and see what the all the hype was all about. And it was really a... I learned a lot on that tour on, you know, exactly uh, how to get our rest and not to go too crazy because uh, we're getting no sleep. You're doomed the next day at these shows. And there was no days off. We were booked by Premier who booked Van Halen. And they had us working five, six days a week. So as I, I'll tell you, those are good moments. Man. Now, a lot Jim, of fun in those days. Here's the deal. And, and when you bring up names like Jakey e. Lee, and I remember when the Dissonance record came out and you see Jake's name on there so and you're good. like, you're just like, Really, Jakey Lee. But then you start thinking about all the guys from that era who loved Enough's Enough. And it's, you know what I mean? Now, Jake is a fan, but you think of like Paul Gilbert. I just I remember all these other bands 
talking yeah. about you guys. And whether it was Nelson or, or Mr. Big or all these other bands, everybody, Great White, I never will forget, uh, and this was in the, the 90s, but I had, uh, the, it was, I had, you know, Jack and, and Mark and, and, and those guys in from, uh, from Great White, mm-hmm. and they were pushing a new album there in the 90s, and I had an Enough's Enough t-shirt on, and all they wanted to talk about was how amazing you guys were. I mean, Chip, huh. y- 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 even within your peers, that's why it doesn't shock me that, that Jakey e. Lee was into Enough's Enough and played on the Dissonance record. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, my friend. We grew up listening to all those same kind of bands. J.K. Lee, huge Beatles fan. He loved mm-hmm, that kind mm-hmm, of stuff. He loved, mm-hmm. he loved Cheap Trick. He loved Queen. Loved Led Zeppelin. And those are bands that we grew up listening to. And when we came out, it was a whole different change of the guard there. It was the Motley Cruz and uh, bands of that, and Poisons and you know the Slaughter. And a lot of the glam stuff was happening along with Great White and those groups. And for some reason, we slipped through the cracks because the songs were strong. And it was about, we were writing, they're autobiographical, about everyday experiences that we went through and perhaps the, our audience did as well. And then more than anything, we were accessible. We went out there and played shows. And at the end, we didn't just jump in the tour bus and sashay and go to the next town. We'd hang out with all the cats out there. And even on days off, I'd go see Saigon Kick or I'd go see the Mr. Big Guys play shows. Whoever was in town, I'd go check them out. You know, uh, Zodiac Mind Warp. Any of the uh-huh, groups that were out that there that were, that were playing at the time, uh, I would go hang out with those guys because we were, it was the only time we get a chance to cross paths when we were on tour together. So it was great, great moments out there. And as the stories that I have are incendiary. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to throw anybody... I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. You know, it was bad enough. I mean, we've always had a propensity to get in trouble at any single moment. And that was one of the things that was special about Enough Snuff. You didn't know what you were going to get at the live shows, but I'll tell you, it was four guys on stage, no tapes, no sequencers, no guys hiding backstage. It was a real rock band playing live like Eddie Trunk loves so much. He always talks about it. And I think that was real special at that time. Nowadays, you know, you, you get all the bells and whistles and you get the extracurricular activities that happen with groups because you want to make it sound like the record. And it's I, and I and I'm a fan of that as well. Even the newer bands have that, whether it's Greta Van Fleet or, or Struts, all those guys have little extra little bonuses they split, they put on their live shows to help them where it sounds like you know, close to the record. Because when you're making an album, it's not just playing live in the studio. There's a lot of overdubs and a lot of little things, a little tweaking to make those songs sound special. Even in the early days when I went to go see Queen, they started off with the Bohemian Rhapsody and it was the rock version. You know, the beginning of the song is, you know, so much keyboards and, and synthesizers and pianos and all kinds of overdubs. It's almost impossible to recreate that stuff live. So I think one of the special things about Enough Snuff was you get a band, it's a live show, and you get all those uh, warts and scars that come along with it. As far as touring with you guys, I mean, you know, in the, the last few years anyway, uh, I love hearing all of your stories about the, you know, back in the day or, you know, whenever, whenever the day happens to be, any of your stories are awesome. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, I feel like I'm interviewing Chip. I know, this is cool that's though. Weird. But yeah. he comes from Radio Chip, well, yeah. you know that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm telling you, that's that's where I met Mike all those are years you kidding, ago. Are you kidding me? Beasley's Beasley. got a truck full Be- of chippy poos. Everybody Beasley. gave him chips to get on there. They wanted to get on his radio show. He's running the gig. He was the MD and the PD. He had like two or three. He had, all, he had two or three hats on. The bands would come in and they would like Beasley because yeah. he told the truth. He was a fan before he was the guy you know 
getting your record play on the Chip radio knows. station. Yeah. Chip knows. So I a real important that. guy to have. And uh, Beasley, very important guy in the old days. You too, Archie. I, I was doing shows with you when you were just doing like college stuff. You know, you're just starting out. But you had a great sense of balance and you had a wonderful disposition. And bands look out for that. They want, they want guys out there that know the music and that are fans too. That makes it that much more special as opposed to some big guy with a cigar in his mouth going, okay, you're going to interview these guys today and you know nothing about them. Nowadays, you know, most of the cats out there just get on Google and go, oh, yeah, that's who Vintage Trouble is or, or Greta Van Fleet or Dirty Honey or any of the new bands. But in the old days, it was really about sinking your teeth into what was happening out there on the scene and getting your hands dirty and finding out about Rush and what they what they were about when they started out. But who's John Rutsey, the old drummer? I didn't know. I thought Neil Peart was the guy all the time. <laughs> most most of the guys right. knew they did. Right. You guys went through it. You know, the, even the Kiss stuff and the, those so many great stuff stories out there those guys went out there on tour and they opened for every single band that was out there and then they blew them all away and all the bands after playing a couple shows at kiss were like you know what i don't want to play with these guys anymore they're kicking our ass every single night and that's the attitude that enough's enough took on tour we would go out there and play the best shows we could and leave an indelible mark every single night whether good or bad well and i know there's nobody more more personable in the business anybody that i've ever met anyway uh than Chip. Well, that's what drew I mean, me to Chip yeah. back, back in the day. The you man know? has yeah, never man. met a stranger. Absolutely. Many a time we've gone into a place like a, a Waffle House. Chip, you remember a couple of years ago, we went into a Waffle House down south somewhere in Georgia or South Carolina or somewhere. And we walk in, you know, and, and Chip kind of stood out catching some stairs right. from the staff, but they were cool. And there was a, the cook, uh, sh- the, the cook right. behind the counter, his name was John, just to, so happens. And uh, Chip walks in and says hi to everybody, you know, makes everybody, he makes everybody else feel at home, you know. And he's like, hey, hey, chef, how's it going tonight? You know, what's, what's your specialty, you know? And this guy was stone-facing us. Remember, Chip? He was just eyeballing, uh, you know, giving us the death stare. And finally, through kindness oh, and, Chip won him and compassion, right. he won this, they're hugging at the end of the night. You remember? Chip's giving him CDs I, I, I do, and shit. I do remember that. It happens quite often. I'm very blessed. I must yes, say, you know, I love that about you, Chip. I love that. Everywhere we go, this guy makes a friend or puts out a fire. He is unbelievable uh, look at under how pressure. Right. Guys, look at how the, the waters are right now in the music business. You go see a Motley Crue or a Poison or uh, a Queen or uh, Guns N' Roses. I'm just naming bands that are big, okay, because when you go to see those shows, you want to go backstage and see those guys, it costs you a couple thousand bucks, okay? That's the that's the the world that we navigate right now in rock and roll. It costs money to go meet your favorite rock stars and musicians out there, and that's just the way it is. In the old days, it wasn't like that at all. When I seen Queen, the first time I seen Queen at the Aragon Ballroom, I think it was 1974, maybe 75, they played the Aragon Ballroom. At the end of the show, they came out and they came to the alley. There was about 15 fans out there. And Brian May walked out first. And he waved to all of us. Hey, everybody was yelling back, you know. Wow. And he got in the town car and then Freddie Mercury followed him. And he gave us all a peace sign. And I go, wow, how cool is that? Guy took just took a couple seconds out of his time to say hello to us. And kindness costs nothing, but with it, you can give so much. And that really left an indelible mark. I said, these guys can come out there and take a second out to say hi and wave to everybody. I want to be able to do that too. And and you come to Enough's Enough show, and you know we come out, we talk to the fans because if it wasn't for the fans, there wouldn't be any band. Well, and, and Chip, sure. I, I've said this before on my podcast. I've said this on the air at QFM many times. I think one of the things, and you're talking about guys going by and giving you the peace sign and stuff. 
but it was more of a pounding of the flesh with you guys. And I think that's more of a Midwestern thing. And I've already said, you know, I think I, that's why I told, you know, Beasley here beforehand. I said, dude, we're Ohio guys. That's, you know, there's not a difference between Ohio guys and Illinois. Yes, yeah. there's it, there's that Midwestern thing, and I think that yeah. and was raised what, what well. you and Donnie and the guys brought too. It was it was more of a Midwestern thing yeah. too. You did it right, like you know if, when I think of Cheap Trick, when I think of those bands off Broadway, yeah. those those are Midwestern dudes, and I, that yeah. appealed to me as, as a kid in, in Ohio growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Before we made a record deal, I remember going backstage in Chicago. Cheap Trick was playing at the, at the Limelight. And we walked right backstage, and because we had a colorful flamboyant look, nobody stopped us. And walked right back there, and there was Nielsen, there was Xander, loved those cats. I remember seeing them in the clubs playing before they got the record deal. And here I am going to the limelight. There's 1,200 people in the place. It's jam-packed. They're getting ready to play a live show. And I gave Rick Nielsen a cassette. I told him about my band. I said, we have a group called Enough's Enough, and we're looking to, to do a record, and we'd love you to produce it. And I gave him a cassette tape. Then didn't hear anything from him after you know a while later. And then when the record company Atco Records, Derek Showman, signed Enough's Enough, he said, uh, "Is there anybody you guys want to produce your first record?" And we said, "Well, we gave a, a cassette tape to uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. We thought he'd be, that he'd be interested." And he goes, "Did he ever call you?" And I said, "Well, we haven't heard anything from him yet." And he goes, "Well, then you guys just produce it yourself." But Nielsen almost produced that first record. Oh, he wow. could have had the gig if he wanted to. That would have been great having Nielsen come in there and. And navigate those waters. Oh my with God! Over, I think right, would have been amazing. Right, we were recording at Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Oh, there was enough enough in perfect. the studio. Skid Row would be in the studio at the same time. They were doing their first record. Tapa was in the studio doing their record, and Jane's Addiction was mixing. Nothing shocking. It was absolutely unbelievable. Wow. And then they had the Monster Rock come through there, and he had Kingdom Come and Doc and and Van Halen. Everybody was at the studio hanging out there. We really were making some good friends out there, meeting all these cats wow and i noticed how people treat each other and i thought man this is the way it's got to be you just can't be a jag off out there you got to be nice to everybody out there because you don't know who's going to be out in the car a producer or somebody that's significant that can help you move your 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 product forward and even in the early days i gotta tell you uh my i had a manager a guy named john Vince. he was a chicago fireman and he used to throw concerts at the embassy ballroom in chicago places you don't see bands there anymore i'm not even sure if that room is even open but he'd have all bands in there coming like night ranger and the police and stevie ray vaughn and one night he came to me and he gave me 30 tickets for the stevie ray vaughn show he goes chip go out in the crowd there's a line around the block go sell these tickets I go, how much? He goes, uh, get 30 bucks a piece. So I sold all the tickets, you know. Wow. They came back to him. I had like 900 bucks. And he goes, here's a couple hundred bucks for you. And I go, wow, that's cool. And I remember all the fans going, hey, what, what band you in? I go, uh, you don't know who we are yet, you know, but you will one day. And, uh, you know, and I saw all these tickets. I thought, that's what it's all about. Right. This life, our life's all of us here, everybody that's listening to this show, is predicated on friendships and relationships. Oh, yeah. You meet people and you make friends and you shake hands and maybe down the line you cross paths again. And a lot of those people that were at that Stephen Ray Vaughn show or that police show later on were on our audience watching us play as well. And Chip, I asked Beasley, I said, hey, and I'll ask you the same question, but I'm going to tell you what his answer was. I said, hey, man, what do you miss the most? about being on the road. And he said the brotherhood of just being a team with the guys and getting it done and, 
you know, he's, you know, putting together the itinerary and just being in it together and just, you know, show to show, town to town. That's what he missed it's, the most. It's nothing. I remember our first tour over in Canada, enough snuffling over to headline in Canada. We were playing clubs, small places, you know, 500 to 1,000 seaters. And the second show we played in uh, Vancouver, and there was a knock at the door. And I went to the door and I go, yeah, can I help you? And he goes, hey, uh, my name's Bob Rock. I go, hey, what's, how you doing? And I knew Bob Rock produced bands. I knew he was, right. a, I knew, I knew he was a, also a musician, too. What year was and this, I go, hey, Chip? come on in, buddy. And he came on the bus. He wanted to produce the second Enough Stuff album. Oh, wow. So that he would have done, we didn't, we, done we strength. Just didn't, we, yeah, we didn't have the capital to do it at the time. We knew that if we got him involved, it would cost us 100 grand at four points. Oh, easy. And we, and we were, and the first album went gold with New Thing and Fly and Michelle. We thought, ah, maybe it's better if we don't do that. You know, looking back in hindsight, I, I kicked myself in the ass because maybe it would have been nice to have Bob Rock producing it, enough stuff. Chip, out, but I'm, I'm happy with strength. Well, here, and let's just, while I got you here, and I don't even know if I've ever really talked to you about this because. For me and so many Enough's Enough fans, and I'd be curious with, I mean, you have the, the discography is uh, beyond impressive, but there was something about that second record, Strength, and it's Ooh. something, and, and as I hear the plane go over, I'm just thinking Blue Island. Does that not oh, remind you yeah. of the intro to Blue Island as a Great plane flies song. over my garage? Yeah. But do you, does that record, it's got to resonate. I, I know when Mike and I first, when Beasley and I first met, I mean, that was a record we talked about, and it's just, I think in the in the yeah. enough's enough community, that's that was your that was a sergeant that was your sergeant peppers, man. Not to I mean, I love so many of the other records, don't get me wrong, but there was something about strength and still to this day when I put it in, Chip, I, I just I remember the first time I heard it. It's it's I think it's some of your greatest work. You know Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind of you. You know, songs are like embryos. It's the, the creation, you know, the, the beginning of, of life. And we were full of piss and vinegar at that time. And when the record company put us in this, the first record went gold. You know, we toured around the country, like I said earlier, with Badlands. And we did gigs with Def Leppard. And we went on a tour with, with Nelson. And then when the record didn't go platinum, we, were, we felt it was a failure. We felt we let the record company down, which I know we didn't. We worked our asses off out there. But we, you know, we had, it was a, a real rock band at the end of the day. We liked to party. And we stay up all night. We burned the candle at both ends. And at the end of the day, you know, we were burnt out. And then they said, we're going to put you back in the studio right away. And Donnie and I were writing machines. I mean, Donnie was coming up with some great stuff. You know, I show him a little idea and he'd just take it and he'd, he'd tweak it up and make it great. And he, he, the guy can turn a melody line as good as anybody. He's a, he's a great liar. Sure which can. Is like most, most, most singers that I grew up with, with Elton John's and, and, uh, Robin Zander. And of course, uh, um, Steven Tyler, those guys are great liars. Every word they say, you believe what they're singing. Even if they don't, even if they don't believe it themselves, yeah. they just know how to turn the melody line. So we went in the studio and we recorded 32 songs. That we started off over at One on One in Los Angeles. It was enough, enough all by ourselves. The first day in the studio, Dweezil Zappa came by and the guys from Cheap Trick and uh, you know bands like Faster Pussycat and the L.A. Guns and all those. Oh my God! Are you kidding? To say this hello is... to us. This is like we my cassette box for, uh, back in the I day. Think we, I think we recorded maybe four or five songs there. And then the studio owner at one-on-one -on -one came up to us. He goes, hey, guys, today's your last day. And we said, oh, we didn't know. We thought we could do the whole record. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. We already had it booked. I go, who's coming in? He says, Alice in Chains. 
we're like, oh, okay, so we're getting dun, kicked dun, out dun. of the studio. LSA is going to take over. And I ended up going over to a place called the Music Grinder, and that's where we really, really flourished. We walked in the studio, and the guy who owned the studio there at the Music Grinder says, uh, hey, Chip, I haven't seen you since you've been a baby. I said, what do you mean? He says, my wife used to babysit with you when you were a little kid <laughs> in, in my in my hometown. I said, you're <laughs> kidding me. She knew, he knew my mother and knew my father. And, you know, it just made me feel like wow. I was at home. And we started recording. We had two two rooms. One room we'd, we'd record demos. The other room where we'd be mixing and, and tracking our record. And at the end of it, we got we did 32 songs. No record company came in there. We were straight. We weren't getting high. We smoking pot there because we had a, a local drug dealer in Los Angeles who had these cans of pot where you have to open them with a can <laughs> opener. And it was a... Uh, and it was it was three hundred dollars for one can of pot. Can I remember my and, and my and my uh, and, and, and our, one of the guys that worked one of our accountants called me after like two weeks in the studio. He goes, Chip, how's the recording going? He goes, Going great, bro. We've we've recorded about a dozen songs already in the first week and a half. And he says, Well, I, I'm calling you because I know you guys have spent five thousand dollars in the last two weeks. I was wondering where the money went. <laughs> and I said, uh, And I said, I guess uh, you know we, you know we found ourselves some the local pot dealer lived across the street from seven. 11 he was selling his cans of pot he goes well stop buying the pot yes. and we said okay so i mean that was our only real problem we we're living at the oakwoods on barham and you had jason bonham living there next door to us was the guys at metal church and oh, then we wow. had, uh, and then all the guys from badlands the bullet boys stevie wonders people Keith Sweat, all these different musicians were all wow. making records in, in their apartments and and uh, uh, doing demos. So it was really a wonderful time to be alive. You know, where and all it was packed at the pool every day was tons of uh, girls hanging out there, scantily clad. We're all drinking, having a good time. All the places you wanted to get food at were right on their premises. It was a gated community, so nobody can really get in. But we still have our friends come by and visit us, and that was really the the prerequisite to us making that great record. We were around good people everybody was being creative and, and the common denominator was coming up with good songs man making a great record at the end of it the record company finally came out to visit us derek showman who coincidentally used to be the lead singer of a band called gentle giant and it's a wonderful guy and he comes into the studio and, and we play him all the songs he's i see the look on his face he's freaked out and i don't know if he's happy or sad i can't tell He's an English guy, and he's and he had a knitted brow, and I, I looked like he was upset. But at the end of the last song, he says, uh, "Well, guys, we got a good problem here." And I said, "What's that?" He says, "Too many good songs." So we cut it down from thirty-two to fourteen. Our our idea, Donnie, and my idea was to be to make a double album, be oh, the first oh, band wow. to come out with a yeah, sophomore release yeah. to have a double album, and then most of those songs ended up on the next record, which was called animals with human intelligence so you know the music it, it, it didn't go to waste we just put those songs in the can we put the strength record out and unfortunately at that time right when the record came out it was a change of the garden the music business and he had nirvana Soundgarden, alice in chains mud honey pearl jam all come out and just whipping everybody's asses so any bands that were caught up in you know the glitter rock or, the, or glam rock or uh, the colorful flamboyant groups that you know showcasing their look uh, they took an ass whip, and a lot of them did. But and a few of them were able, a few of them were able to survive, and we were one of them. And, and Chip, honestly, none of those bands that you mentioned, as much as I love those bands, they didn't have a record like Strength. It's just that was that was a whole that was the 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 jump from that first record to that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I just it was I, I yeah I mean do you get that a lot with that record chip is that one that comes up a lot absolutely yeah. Archie yeah. when we went yeah. into the record we, yeah. we were told we were told we had something really special yeah. Paul Stanley told me right to my face that that album's a classic 
I, I don't. I don't and, doubt it. And, I don't doubt it. Yeah, the guys in Kiss loved it. Cheap Trick loved it. And then we had, of course, when that record came out, we went on David Letterman, and we were doing the Howard Stern show, and we were really keeping ourselves quite busy in the press. Uh, but then we we seen the change of the guard with when those groups all came out. You know, Pearl Jam made a great record. Allison Chains, fabulous record. Nirvana was absolutely great used. bands. Mother. Absolutely. Yeah, all those groups were really really strong, and they still are. And, and I'm still a fan of those cats, but. The fact of the matter is that no, none, they weren't hanging with us. Those guys were wearing flannels and shorts and, and, and shoes, and we were still dressing like we were in, in the 70s with David Bowie's band. We were colorful and flamboyant, and we, and we, were, we were comfortable in, in our threads at that time. And when I watched all those bands coming out, I've seen a lot of the groups that were out during our era just taking an ass whoop, and, they, and they, a lot of them broke up and went and got regular jobs and stuff. We were stupid enough, maybe with, for lack of a better term, to get back in a tour bus and go out there and play shows and i remember the first tour uh, was with uh during that third album was with um d snyder and twisted sister and we were playing clinton iowa and uh d came up to me before the show and he goes hey chip he goes i'm gonna uh, i want to open for you guys and then so i can get out of town and i go oh there is it he just these guys are just here for the chippy poos now they're, they're, there's there's <laughs> right. definitely there's definitely a change in the scenery and then we played those shows went in debt like you wouldn't believe and and then right after that, we found ourselves just playing clubs all around the country until eventually we got a break. And that was seven years later when I got a phone call from Troy Blakely saying, hey, Chip, this is Troy Blakely from APA. I, uh, you guys, I want to get you on this tour. It's with uh, Poison, Warrant, and Quiet Riot. You in? And I, I, without even asking what the money was, I go, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, those and, were huge. And, and, and those were huge. And I knew we'd huge. be back in the yeah. game one more yeah. time. And that was, and I'm telling you. That was the tour that kept us going. Yeah. Without that tour, we might have been doing it. Yeah. I remember calling Donnie on the phone saying, hey, bro, I, I just got us the Poison Tour, and he hung up the phone on me. Well, <laughs> he well, thought I was lying to him. Well, and when the tour bus pulled up, we were ready to go. When when all those things were happening, the Lollapaloozas and the uh, the Ozfest and stuff like that, and you know, I remember going out, and our place, our shed was called Polaris, or Jermaine, Jermaine yeah. Amphitheater. Yeah. And I remember, Chip, that those late 90s and early 2000s, those poison tours were as big and oh, po- yeah. and more popular Huge. than any of the other shit that was that was going on with these with these festival type shows that you would see Huge and that sellers. was a great year with you guys god that was a well, fun time if i can backtrack for a second in 93 after we did the animals human intelligence record and we went out with with d snyder and a couple other bands we would open for too we had no real action happening until we got a phone call from poison because cc deville was a big fan he wanted to be in Enough's Enough, okay? Uh, that'd be great. Songs. He even told he me, I wish, po- I wish we wrote songs this good. That's what he told me. And they yeah. had smash hits. It was almost like he was embarrassed that Poison was huge and Enough's Enough wasn't. And, and you know, and, as and, he and should we, be. Just yeah. because yeah. those we, Enough we, songs didn't up, sell uh, as much doesn't mean anything. We ended up much taking. Uh, we ended up getting on a plane and going to England for the only Poison tour over in Europe ever. It was Poison and Enough's Enough. And we did five or six shows in the UK, I think we did Scotland too, which is still But that UK. was killer, yeah. And that was killer, And but CC wasn't there. He left the band. We thought, you know, at that time, he had the falling out. They had a thing that happened in, on MTV. Richie Kotzen, that's where right. things fell out. Was it Kotzen or Blues? Richie Kotzen. He came in there, he's yeah. just like Hendrix, with a big fedora hat on and bell-bottom pants and cool boots. Man, he and shreds. And the guy can sing as good as anybody. He's a he great play. singer. Oh, yeah. Wonderful, yeah, wonderful guy. I watched him kicking ass every single night. But I'm not introducing time, him to my wife, though, Chip. <laughs> yeah, at that time, he was a jag-off, too, because yeah. fans, 
<laughs> there will be hundreds of fans waiting out there to talk to the bands after the shows. And Richie would walk right through and walk right into uh, it, right through the hotel. Didn't say hi to one person. Go right to the elevator and go right to his room. Didn't talk to him. So the guy already sold 20 million records. Yeah, he, that's how he was acting back then. Now yeah. he's not like that at all. He's a sweet man beyond belief. But at that time, he was a real snaggletooth jag off to all the fans. <laughs> and we watched how it was, And I watched it and I seen it. I go, that's not the way to go. No, that's no. Not, that's not going to help him in the long run. And of course, his run with Poison didn't last very long. Uh, but for us, it was good for us that tour because we ended up going back to England right after that. We've been going to England ever since. I, you know, me and Mike Beasley, we go up to England almost every single year. We do Scotland and Bristol, Newcastle, Birmingham, London. Then we'll go over and we'll do Italy. We'll do Spain, France. We'll hit all those. Oh, I've seen the pictures, Chip. I've seen the and pictures. And if it wasn't for those early days, right. Archie, I know, enough brother. Enough yeah, took a chance to go know, play. Absolutely. You know, on those early enough enough shows over in England, I remember that we would get vilified. Because the writers would come out and see us, and we play in Kerrang magazine or, or, or Metal Metal Hammer, and they would say, uh, uh, "Chips enough the kind of, he's the kind of guy you'd invite into your house. He eats all the food and he won't leave." And I go, "God, how do these guys know me so good?" And then, and then, and then, they, and then they would say stuff like, "You know, I, I seen enough stuff last night. They played a, a two thousand seater for two hundred people, and Chips enough was pointing to invisible balconies. <laughs> these fucking guys, they got it down. But we we didn't stop doing what we did. We kept playing the songs and kept uh, having great shows. And eventually, we won the." One of the journalists over, and we've had, we've always got great reviews over in the UK. Chip, before I cut you loose, I had Chad Stewart from Faster Pussycat on last week, and he kind of teased uh, the possibility of, of this going down again. Hopefully, uh, getting you guys on the road. Can you can you tell us anything at this point? I mean, he's he was even kind of getting the details as, as we go. He goes, you know, Chip might even have more info for you next week. Of course, I do. I sent I sent him all the dates a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I said, here's the shows we're doing right now. I hope you guys are ready. To- here we go. I hope you're ready for to take an ass whipping because yes. we're ready to go. This band's we're on fire. We're gonna go out and play these shows. Yeah, I can tell you all about it. It starts the 24th in I think Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh, it works its way from June 24th all the way through to the 21st of August. It's called the Quarantine Tour. It's faster pussycat, enough's enough. And I think there's gonna be uh, select uh, bands playing on a few of these dates like uh Gotcha. Perhaps uh, the Midnight Devils, maybe Tora Tora. Uh, you'll you'll see other bands that are on there too. But the two main bands on that tour, and it's a great bang for the buck. Is Faster Pussycat enough stuff? Two bands they have a couple of hits on MTV, have been going for 30 years. Tammy straight four years straight. God bless. Yeah, them. man. Congrats on yeah, that. That sounds yeah. so one, good. One he more, does, one man. More drink, one, one more drink for him, and he's Benjamin Button. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's, he, that guy was out of control. <laughs> the last tour that I did with Faster Pussycat, oh, I caught crap. him in a, in a very promiscuous position outside <laughs> the freezing cold, thirty degrees below zero, with hardly any clothes on, with some trim. And I said, "Man, this ain't gonna last very well." And I go, "Bro, you better get inside the venue and get some clothes on." He says, oh, "I'm gonna be fine." He's out there smoking a cigarette next day, caught pneumonia, and he was still on stage every single night singing those songs and playing with a cigarette in his mouth and a bottle of Jack Daniels. So those guys know how to party. It's a real rock and roll band at the end of the day. And I think that tour is going to be terrific. The quarantine tour, you can check out fasterpussycat.com. 
or you can check out uh, Enough's Enough, E-N-U-F-F, Z-N-U-F-F.com. You can check us out on uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can find out all the information that's going on. But that tour is happening. We've already – they have a tour bus. We have an Oscar Minor Wiener Wagon. Beasley's <laughs> going to be in the front seat. I can't wait to get out there, bro. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I can't wait. Oh, me the too. fans have been waiting for a year and a half, starving for rock and roll, and we're going to be one of the first tours that are out there. Folks, anybody listening to this, there's no big tours happening this year. Isn't it funny that Vince Neil just puts a show out the other day, goes, yeah, uh, the 18th he's going out and playing a solo show, and the 19th they're supposed to start the stadium tour with uh, Motley Crue, Poison, uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, and Def Leppard. It's not happening for sure. No one's saying one word because nobody wants to give Chippy Poos back. All that money sitting in the oh, bank yeah. right now. Yeah, man. I got it's friends who are just all that money collecting. They're yeah. all co- it's all collecting interest. Okay. Yeah. They're going to go out and play. I know they're going to tour. I know Nikki's got to be bummed out. You, you know, there's not a tour when you got Nikki Six living in Wyoming, driving three wheeler trucks, <laughs> putting, up, put, putting up chandeliers in his front room, beautiful, you know, blown light bulbs and stuff, uh, giggling around, playing with the little kids in the parking lot and stuff. He's not going anywhere right now. You, to do a big tour like that, you got to get in rehearsals for a month or two and work your ass up and get all those bells and whistles together and knock off all the rust. Uh, you can't just jump in. You just can't jump in the fucking truck and go out on tour. It's too, <laughs> it's too difficult. This is a challenging gig. When we played and wrote these songs, we were in our 20s and 30s. Now that everybody's older than Moose Pussy, it's really you got it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a work of fertility. Okay, at the end of the day, it's it's a hard job. Oh. So the big tours aren't going to happen. What I'm saying right now, the smaller tours could. And why wouldn't you want to go out and pay twenty, thirty bucks to go see two bands that have had smash yeah. hits on MTV and that have done the great things that Faster Pussycat and Enough Snuff has done, as opposed to going out and paying two hundred dollars to see a show that's not even going to happen. And they're it's, two great we're bands. Win this one, this one, we're finally going to get a break <laughs> after twenty years of taking an ass whooping. We're going to get a break where the fans can come out and celebrate the yeah. first time they got high, the first time they fell in love with somebody, the first time they actually went out there and seen a rock concert. We're we're part of that experience, and we're going to provide every single night, bro. And and those examples that you were giving, Chip, as far as uh, partaking and falling in love, and man, that all happened to enough's enough music for me, man. And it's just it's an honor, Chip, to call you friend. And I just I appreciate that you always are you're there, man, when I need you. And and uh, just it's good to hear your voice, and I can't wait to see you live again. Thanks for Archie. I want to say to anybody that's listening, God bless you and your families. I want to give a shout out quickly to our, our first responders around the country, our military, our police, all the firemen out there, all the people on the front lines working to keep our country going. And uh, let's not forget about the local drug dealer across the street from 7-Eleven who, who makes sure that we're all happy <laughs> at the end of the I day, knew. too. Yes, I knew I knew that was going to turn God left immediately. Chip's enough. <laughs> can't wait to see you on the road, brother. And I just can't wait to see you. So, Chip, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Thanks. Archie Beasley, love you dearly. I can't wait to see you in Denver, my friend. Don't forget Saturday night, Denver, Colorado, the Beatles Rock Show. Enough's enough playing the Beatles on 10. And I mean 10. There you go. <laughs> I love the you, one buddy. and only Chip's enough. Thanks, Chip. Cheers. There you go. Oh my God. Beasley. I'm calling you Beasley now after that. <laughs> yeah, I think cool. I've been calling you Mike for all these years. Yeah, but call me what whatever. Mike Austin. Beasley. Yeah. Dude, yeah. thanks for coming out to the oh, Hawks Nest. My pleasure. Thanks How for the cool beers, is that man. for for you and me? I mean, we've been We've hung around with Chip 
together before, yeah. but to and actually lay some, but to lay something down and record it. I like and do that. it in this. That was that was cool, man. And the thing is, you know, if you ever need uh, to do it again, yeah, you know, a year or so from now, he would do it. I know, and he would. it would I know be a different batch of stories. And I, but I want Chip to come to the Hawks Nest. Yeah, yeah, I just think that would be fun. Well, anytime he's in town, I'll bring him over for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks Love to Chips buddy. enough. Thanks to uh, to Mike Austin. What a great show. Now next week's episode, the Knights of the Rock Table are coming to the Hawks Nest, and it's the first time we've all been together in, in quite some time. And check this out, Beasley. We're uh, we're calling Garage Knights in the next Garage Days. See, it's going to be because they're the Knights, and I figured we'd call it like Garage Nights. Oh, well, you yeah. got to think of different ways to label this shit. Garage Nights Revisited. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no matter what, until the next time, stay frosty. I'll have to check that out.